Hello, hello. Welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. What's up? We are just having a good LOL <laughs> about life of an influencer. Oh, man. You guys, I just, I don't know. Some days I'm like, I am not meant for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I get, I, I, let's just say this. My attention to detail <laughs> ain't. <laughs> Oh. Lindsay's been having a hard time with this one sponsor. They are nitpicking. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's a it makes sense. It makes sense based on the brand, but damn, every time I post this one last <laughs> wave of content, they're like, hey. So you capitalized the G. Yes. And we didn't approve that. I'm like, oh Holy shit. I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. I'm like, tear it down. And the more you post, the more people are like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. So if you guys think I'm just a little all over the place, I always say people probably think you're like fucking making a year's salary because you posted it so much, but it's just I should because be. it's fucked up. I know. I should be. I know they're probably like, damn, we get it. We get it. Like, we get it. Yes. It's That's the whole part of being whatever <laughs> influencers. It's like, it's, you know, this is like, people are like, shut the fuck up. Because there's part of it that's very easy, to be honest. Oh, for sure. Very yeah, easy. Yeah. There's parts of it that literally are like easy breezy, do to do. And there's parts that yes. are like, like trudging through the mud. But baby. lately it's been trudgy for me. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Yes, I got it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, that was a breeze. And then other times I'm like, God. I know. Just. I know. And. <laughs> oh. It. Oh. oh. Anyways, yeah. anyway. we're just laughing about that. <laughs> also do because on social media, they just fucking tank. Well, they tank. Like you, hey, hey, everyone out there. You never like sponsored content. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm noticing a trend with you yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Me pouring my heart out saying I'm going through a hard time. Uh-huh. That's a million a likes. That's literally. Me, me talking about, you know, supporting small businesses. You're like, <laughs> honestly, I'm like, damn, I did better when I was depressed. I should share what's in my fridge. I know I should share what my sweet green order is. <laughs> People love to be told what to eat. That's biggest facts. Oh, That's why what I eat in a day's work, which is so interesting yeah. though, because part of me with what, what I eat in a day is like, I do get inspired. I'm like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was very interesting when I was away on a trip, I was with this girl who's actually a Victoria's Secret model. And she did a What I Eat in a Day. And she actually ate more than what she shared on the What I Eat in a Day. Oh, how dare. Ended the, ended the dinner. Ended, so had her meals. And the dinner was a salad. She ate, she ate risotto and a salad. Oh my God. I, it, so it was so interesting because <laughs> yeah, yeah, the What yeah, I Eat in a Day course. is I was reminded that some people want to say they're eating less because that seems yes, like it's course. better. And some people want to add food in to seem like they're eating more because that mm-hmm. is perceived to be better and how deceiving it can be on both ends. Yes, completely. I'm looking for... I, I love a good... Uh, I love a good like TikTok or reel where people are making fun, a little making fun of like mm-hmm. what I eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Dude, there's this girl that did a TikTok and she was picking popcorn kernels out of a bag. Oh, I like that. And she was like, she's like, ooh, this one. This is the kernel of wands or a pop of swords. <laughs> it was I like mixing that. everything together. <laughs> this is the, that's um bad broadcast. I think she has a podcast. Yeah. And she that was the Power Bowl. Oh, I one know. I showed you yesterday. So oh. she was like in her car and she's like, I just want to like keep you guys oh, up yes, to date yes, with like yes, something yes. I'm loving. It's like 
it's great for breakfast. It's um, it's called a Power Bowl. So this is what I do with my Power Bowl. I take my Chick-fil-A fried chicken and I dip it into my fries and then I just stack it on top of one another. <laughs> and she's like, I call it a Power Bowl. It's amazing. Oh, God. I know. Got to keep it light. Got to keep it light. Well, we're so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode was really... Uh, Fun to record. It was like a yes. it was like a really meaningful, deep, real, present conversation uh, with Emma Zach, and um, I was so thankful that we we made it work, and it was came at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been a huge fan of her work. I feel like she's someone that is so embodies so much of that like raw, wild, wild spirit, mm-hmm. and such a beautiful writer, and such a powerful example of what it is to just share publicly your evolutionary process. Mm -hmm. And I think she's a great example for me of like what embodiment is and what wilding is and what creating your own definition of divinity is. I think she's got a really good definition for herself of what a spiritual and divine life is and she continues to seek it. And so this conversation, I mean, I had so, I really think you all will love this conversation we had. Yeah. And we're... We're catching her, I feel like, at a very potent time for her and her growth. She just left New York. She had moved to New York for a partner. It's not very often that you speak to someone who's like going through it and mm-hmm. also like super can pull up and out and is very like grounded in the way that she's able to talk about it. But we talk about self-abandonment. We talk about the fawning complex, which I actually hadn't heard of, but now I'm hearing about mm-hmm. it like all the time now that she talked about it. And just that feeling of being misunderstood. She's been censored and and canceled and just talking about the loneliness around that and the loneliness within being in a, in a particular transition that she's in, but then also just feeling disconnected from like a community where she can be herself. Mm-hmm. We talk about partnership. We talk about heartbreak. And just like embodiment. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really, really powerful. Yeah, and authenticity online. I just want to note that listening to the podcast in Almost 30, all of our guests don't necessarily have a common theme or thread. And if you listen to our show, you could listen to one episode and think we think a certain way. And if you listen to a show later that week, you could think we think a certain way. So my golden intention with every episode is to bring on people we admire for Sometimes everything, we admire all parts of them. Sometimes we admire single parts of them. Sometimes we want to bring through certain messages that we feel like are important for our community and collective. And so with this, it's just another episode where I want to remind you that you won't be able to tell our views on certain things by listening to this episode or any other episode. You'll only be able to tell what views we have on pertinent and relevant topics of the collective if we say them specifically. So I know that Emma has had her fair share of you know, people canceling her, people having perspective on her and her family. That has nothing to do with our conversation today. Our conversation today is medicine is really on the topics that we talk about today, which is freedom, liberation, being your own leader, embodiment, feeling the feelings and rewilding. Yes, yes. So I hope that makes sense. It's kind of Mm -hmm. vague, but I just want to bring through that like, we can all think for ourselves in every capacity. And that's like the major theme that we want to always have for our community. Yeah. And that's my hope with every episode. It's like, I hope that, you know, I would never want everyone to take the same thing from one episode and, you know, 
feel like they have to apply it to their lives. Like I really, I trust our audience to be able to like, just be like, wow, that really, really resonates. And also trust our audience to be like, oh, that doesn't actually resonate for me. I'm moving on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she is um, incredibly special, powerful, and just felt so, um, so grateful to have this conversation Mm -hmm. with her. Yeah, she's a writer. She's an artist. She's a poet. She's a yoga instructor. She's a coach. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Emma Zek underscore. That's E-M-M-A-Z-E-C-K underscore. She has some potent info for us there. Yes. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. If this episode or any other episode has moved you or made you think or get curious about something, um, I'm so happy. And we would love if you shared with a friend or family member or maybe share on Instagram. We always love to see your tags. Uh, Make sure you are following us, uh, the podcast on Instagram at almost30podcast. And if you want to learn even more, go to almost30.com. You can learn more about Krista and I and our journey and just everything Almost 30. Yeah, our partners are there too. We love you guys. We appreciate you being here. It's such a beautiful thing that we get to do what we do and connect with people that are open-minded, that are kind, that are curious. It means truly the world. So we love you very much. We know you'll love this one. Enjoy. Major announcement from Almost 30. We are hosting Space Camp on January 28th. This is our favorite event of the year. Camp Almost 30 has gotten a little bit of a rebrand because we were feeling like, I think we're ready to really go there (laughs) with our community. So we are welcoming guests who we feel have really taken us to a whole other planet in our interviews and in our conversations with them. So guests like Brie Melanson, she is going to be doing a workshop on psychic development, find and tap into your gifts. She is a teacher and channel and one who has really been such a support and teacher for Chris and I throughout the years. We are welcoming Jordan Younger. So she is going to help us find our galactic Origins. She is the podcast host of the Balanced Blonde podcast. She's an author. She's a spiritual teacher. We're also welcoming Lee Harris, who recently was on the podcast in a two-part episode, and he is going to channel the Z's live for us. How special. He does not do this often, so we feel very, very, very lucky. And we will also be welcoming Sandra Walter. So she is going to be teaching on Ascension 101, the crystalline grid and higher realm support. She is so special. She's a light worker and teacher and has been on the podcast. And Krista and I are going to be sharing a very, very, very special experience, heavenly coated Reiki infused sound bath. And I'm excited for you all to join us. So this is happening on January 28th from 10 to 2 p.m. PST. Make sure you sign up. Space is limited, but it's absolutely free. Absolutely free. We're excited to welcome you. And this is the kickoff to membership opening. So membership is going to be open indefinitely now. So you can join membership for six months at a time and really, really focus uh, and support your growth. It is our favorite place to just come and be ourselves and really get super intimate with you all, more intimate than on the podcast. So I'm excited for you all to join the membership, but head to almost30.com slash space dash camp. That's almost30.com slash space dash camp space 
dash camp. <laughs> Say that 30 times. Almost30.com slash space dash camp to sign up for camp. Absolutely free. We will see you on January 28th. I think there is that feeling that Lindsay and I have, and I feel like that every day where you're just looking at everything and you're like, what is totally. happening? And and I felt like that even as a kid. I was like, what is happening and why? And I think for a lot of people in their awakening, it can be really scary because you're like seeing all the things that don't make sense. But for some people in their awakening, for me and my awakening, I felt better because I was like, wow, this doesn't make sense. And, and I know I know now what I perceive to be the truth. But for you on your path, especially as you driving and just like exploring, what is your loneliness taught you and what has it felt like? Yeah, it's felt fucking horrible. <laughs> um, I'm just going to be real. Like it's felt pretty brutal. I, I thought that I was comfortable being alone until it's like this whole new level of, of feeling pretty isolated, to be honest. I do really well when I like, I can be single. I'm totally fine with that. But when I feel alone and isolated, and I'm also don't feel like I'm a part of a community in person, I really struggle. And this, this time, and I'm still in this time, but so far, you know, it's taught me that I, we really need community. We really need people. And I feel that there is this, um, when you're a spiritual person, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's this kind of idea that in order to be enlightened or whatever, you really need to be comfortable being alone and you need to like go on top of a mountain and pray by yourself and like exist in total isolation. And, you know, I like tried to do that for a while because I thought that I needed to be like a monk or something like that in order to be like a spiritual teacher and things like that. And I'm at this point where I'm done denying myself pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what is healing. And for me, other, other people could maybe exist in isolation, but like I can't and I don't feel good when I do it. So why do I think that I need to continue suffering in order to grow? Mm. Yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not self-sufficient as human beings, you know, like we are meant yeah. to. So that makes total, total sense to me. But I can imagine that it has felt unsafe at times to be like within, you mm -hmm. know, a group or just at this time where we're, we're so much in like this in-between of sorts, right? Like perceived in-between. And how have you kind of reckoned with that feeling of feeling like misunderstood, not safe to be yourself or express yourself? I think you've done more than most yeah. people, but like I can imagine, <laughs> but I don't want to discount kind of how scary that can be. Yeah, it's it's again pretty terrifying and it feels really horrible. Um in my life I've lost like four really close people, like really really close people in the past like 6 months and it all kind of had to do with them not agreeing with my choices and them and me feeling really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And so you know, my survival pattern and a lot of people's survival pattern when when we feel misunderstood is to explain ourselves, to be like, "Oh no, I didn't mean it that way. Like, please don't leave. I promise I'm a good person." You know, a lot of especially women have that fawning complex where it's like, "No, I promise. Like, you can't think that way about me." And you know, I've I'm at this point now where I have contorted myself into a pretzel so many fucking times and I'm exhausted. 
And so I walk away and I don't care anymore. And, you know, it is scary. And at the same time, it's scarier and it causes more suffering to live a life where you're playing small and you're not actually being who you are than it is to let those people go who just are, again, it's like that really cliche quote, uh, people who are committed to misunderstanding you. You know, like we can read that all day, but it holds a new meaning when you actually um, experience it. And I've experienced that a lot, but I've just gotten to a point where I'm like, I know who I am. I know that I have a good heart. And if and if somebody can't recognize that, it's just not in resonance. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It's just we're no longer in alignment. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I'm so goddamn tired of trying to explain myself to people. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's funny too, how like things I feel so passionate about, like if I come up with someone that I really love on topics where we disagree, it's like, I kind of lose it a little bit where I'm so hot if if it's not, I'm not faced with it. And then I kind of like yeah. find myself backing up when I'm like, oh, I'm acting like I don't believe what I believe or I kind of change my perspective. And I'm really working to not do that, to like not abandon myself in those situations. But we had a situation where we were getting feedback on something that we did. And I just remember the comments and someone on our team said it. They were like, you know, a lot of times people don't want you don't like want to be understood or like the people that are commenting online or people that are sharing their perspective don't want to change their mind. Like a lot of people just want to say how they feel, whatever. And so oftentimes we spend so much energy trying to have these conversations or prove to people that we're good or prove to people that, you know, we're safe or we're all of these things. And there is so much energy doing that. And it's like a lot of times people don't want to have their mind changed. And so... Right. I think we've all been struggling with that. But for you, I think the topic of losing friends is actually super important because I know that's happened for so many people in our community, myself included. What has that process been like for you? And how are you like, because there's rage and then there's sad and then there's questioning. Like, what has your emotional process been like with it? Yeah, at first, it, it like, you know, um, there's this author called Elizabeth Kubler Ross, and she like um, kind of describes, I think it's like seven steps of grief or something like that. And one of the first ones is denial. Um, when, when you're grieving, you kind of go into the state of denial where you're like, no, this isn't happening. Like, this is too much. It's like too much for our nervous systems to process, you know? And I've experienced that a lot where um, I go into that denial state and then I like kind of witness myself wanting to fawn and wanting to, again, prove myself and, 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 Honestly, I just want this person to validate that I am a good person that I, and that I am enough. You know, and while I said at the beginning we do need community, if we need community to the point where we literally don't know who we are without somebody else validating us, that becomes codependency and that's an issue. You know, and so I've really worked with myself in like seeking validation from the people who can validate me. Like my friends that I know unconditionally love me and have my back and know my intention and like we can have conversations and it doesn't mean we agree on everything. Um, but those people are the people that I bring that to. When I need to be reminded of who I am, I bring it to the right people because we get caught in these loops where it's like we're all repeating our childhood trauma mm-hmm. with these relationships. You know, like often times a lot of us were rejected by our parents growing up or rejected by an ex or like a bully in school or a teacher or whatever. And so we're trying, we're going to these situations 
trying to complete those cycles. And we have to just stop literally doing that because we're never going to get what we're looking for from people who literally are just not equipped to give it to us. And oftentimes the universe, in my experience, puts people like that in our lives to give us that perceived rejection because it's not, I don't really believe in rejection or anything like that, but our, our nervous systems feel rejected and, and the universe gives us those situations in order that we learn to not seek validation from those people. Like if we feel rejected, it's like, oh, how can I shift this into embracing and accepting myself even when I can't get that from another person? You know, and so that's been a little bit of my process is like, yeah, bringing my, bringing my need because we all have that need. Like, I'm not some spiritual person who's like, I do not care what anyone thinks. Like, of course, I'm a fucking human. Of course, I care what people think, you know, and I think that anybody who says that they don't at all is lying. And so I bring that to people who can, who can provide me with that. And then also just like, Again, when I feel the need to explain myself or to fawn to someone, I literally stop right there and go do something else to kind of interrupt that neural pathway to get out of that looping trauma pattern. Yeah, I mean that is so so powerful and I think, you know, we we do talk a lot about just kind of that the redoing of that trauma and and the unconscious way in which we perpetuate that and just the ability to shine that light on it and and stop yourself, I feel like is in it's it's incredible to kind of hear you say that you're able to disrupt that in the moment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like it's it's tricky, you know, because I'm not gonna say like it was always like that for me. Like I sure. fawned like hell for years, and like I still do sometimes because again, I'm human and I've I've had those painful experiences enough to know not to go down that road again. Yeah. Because I'm, like I said earlier, learning, like thinking that I need to suffer in order to learn. Like at that point, it just becomes insanity, you know? Yeah. So we can disrupt. It's obvious. It's usually when we experience the pain and the trauma enough that we're like, okay, I have to do something else. I can't keep repeating this pattern mm-hmm. and hurting myself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like with your... Have you recently experienced self-abandonment in the context of like you're it you're very public you know and mm-hmm. i feel like it can be there's so much pressure to contort like you were saying in order to not be canceled or not be censored and so in those moments where it's really public like how do you not abandon yourself even though like your quote reputation online could be you know at stake Yeah, I love this question. Um, And it's come up um, a lot in my family specifically. My mom and brother were on Instagram and they were huge activists for very controversial things. And they have been deleted. I think my brother has been deleted seven times now. And my mom has been deleted like five and they've kind of just decided to no longer be on Instagram because they can't make a new account without getting deleted in like two days. And so... Anyways, um, long story short, that has affected me into like feeling the need to censor myself even more because we're all so dependent on these platforms, you know, be it for our reputation, our identity. A lot of us don't know who we are without our Instagrams, which is like insane to say, but I even feel that in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't have answers on that yet to be uh, really real with you. I have thought about leaving Instagram um, and doing my work entirely off of it because 
I have found that I'm much happier when I'm not on there. Um, I feel much more connected to myself, to other people, to my life. I feel much more inspired when I'm not constantly on there. And it's so paradoxical because a lot of us, including myself, are dependent, if you will, on it for business. And so it's like how I haven't found a good way to balance it because the apps are literally designed to be addictive. They're designed to have us abandon ourselves, you know? And now, especially with cancel culture, it's not even just the algorithm of it in and of itself. It's that coupled with the fear of social humiliation. Mm-hmm. And I got canceled, um, quote unquote, a few months ago when um, I posted something that was very controversial. It had to do with um, the trans community. And long story short, I posted something that um, the trans community didn't agree with. And then I went back on my word <laughs> because I, I like don't take it back. Like I apologize because I see now that what I said was like not necessarily accurate. And I, it felt like a genuine apology. So anyways, I went back on my word. And then the trans community was praising me. And then everybody who agreed with my first post was like, fuck you. How could you do this? Like, I hate you. You're horrible. And so it was like this moment of like, oh my God, I literally cannot win. Like, it does not matter what I do. People on both quote unquote sides are going to have some bullshit to say about it. And so that was like really a horrible moment for me because it felt like shit. And at the same time, it was like so freeing because I was like, oh my God, no matter what I do, I could literally be Jesus himself in the flesh and somebody would just hate me for no reason. And so um, I definitely experienced abandoning myself. And at the same time, like, it's really hard not to in, in this culture that we're living in, you know, like there is so much hostility, there's so much division being perpetuated. And so for anybody that like wrestles with that as well, I would say just be really gentle with yourself because these are really challenging times, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. And, um, you know, it takes practice. There's a quote that says, 3,000 repetitions creates body memory and then 300,000 repetitions creates embodiment. And so when we can really practice being our authentic selves and learn to feel safe in our body, again, in the presence of other people and then in our solitude as well, we don't seem to care as much what other people think, you know, because we realize that everybody has needs a villain in their story. And if it has to be me, then I don't really mm-hmm. care anymore because I know that it has nothing to do with me at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like the projection yeah. of you. I mean, you yeah. know, if you were Jesus, you would be canceled because yeah, Jesus was effectively <laughs> canceled. Jesus was canceled. Yeah. That's why I have to look at sometimes when I see people being canceled, I have to remember like some of, we have to remember that some of the most influential people in history have been those that were essentially canceled or those that were radical. Everyone's saying that they want to educate people or they want to talk about it. But then when you say something that's not exactly what they want you to say, then it's a problem. And then it's like everyone's educating everyone in this weird way to say the same exact thing. And Mm -hmm. it's just really hard to see the lack of actual conversation about topics and issues that matter. And then the lack of tolerance in what is perceived to be a tolerant community for people that don't think like Mm -hmm. them. Like I find that sometimes these communities are just creating these like echo chambers of we all say the same thing, do the same thing and feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And they're acting like they're tolerant, but they're actually not tolerant. I think both Mm -hmm. sides actually really do this. They claim tolerance, but don't have it. In the past, you know, year, it's like, 
or I guess going through the, the position of being canceled, like how did you heal yourself or how did you really feel the feelings or what was your process for that? Because it's really, it's a nervous system. It fucks you up. Oh God, it was, it was pretty bad. I like, I remember talking on the phone to one of my friends, like bawling, crying oh. because I was like, I feel so humiliated. I feel exposed. I feel vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, like I allowed myself to have those feelings and that's what allowed me to heal from it. Because again, like the universe and my experience puts those types of positions in our, or put those types of situations, I just <laughs> in our lives. So we can heal that trauma that's underneath. It wasn't about me being canceled. It was about my fear of rejection that has been in my life since I was like literally out of the womb. And so that's what it was about. And I had to experience being rejected in order to get over the fear of that rejection. Mm. Like I tell the women that I work with, oftentimes I get women that want to sign up for my program, but they're really afraid to commit with the finances. And I'm like, you know how you get over the fear of like money? You spend money, you invest in something. Mm -hmm. Like you have to go in to what scares you. I think it's a quote by Joseph Campbell, I think is his name. It says, the cave in which you fear to enter holds the treasure in which you seek. I'm sure you guys have heard it. And it's so true. And Rumi says, the wound is where the light enters you, you know? And so we have to have those experience in order to transmute that trauma. And that's exactly what happened for me. Like, of course, I still deal with the fear of rejection a little bit. And it's like not as bad anymore. It's not as intense because I'm like, I experienced that and I survived. And actually, I like feel a lot more free because of it. You know, oftentimes like our our trauma, having to go back and re-experience it is actually what frees us from it. Yes. Yeah. In one of your posts, you said, you don't need more information. You need to feel. And so I'd love to like... Mm -hmm kind of go a little bit deeper on that for for not only you personally but like the collective i feel like we are like we need more we we need the information the facts the this the that like yes. the obsession with like getting more information yet we're like not feeling what is driving us to seek more information yes you know totally totally can you speak yeah. to that a little bit Oh God, yes. Um, this is so relevant in my life right now because I'm like a book hoarder. I like, I'm obviously a poet and I read a lot and I love buying books. And I'll like, I have so many freaking self-development, like, excuse me, personal or spiritual, like personal development books. And I haven't even like read, like, I've probably read like two of them out of like 150 <laughs> because there's an addiction that we have to seeking outside of us for the answer, quote unquote. We think that if we buy this book, this will give us all the answers to all of our questions and all of our problems. And it's just not the case, you know, and it's the same thing that we do in our medical systems. We think a doctor is going to give us the answer. Or we, th- we do the same thing with love. We think this partner or this house or whatever is going to be the thing that fixes us. And while like the spiritual personal development community has done a lot of good, I have even found for myself, it's starting to do me more harm because we can only consume so much. You know, our brain is not meant to be like just completely information constantly. And when it is, like I said in my post, escape those feelings. And the feeling is where the wisdom is. You know, that's where we find our creativity. That's where we find 
essentially the answers, even though there really are none. Um, that's where we just create an intimate relationships with a relationship with ourselves. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are really afraid to go into because we don't, we're not taught how to be with ourselves. We're taught how to consume. We're taught how to consume information. We're taught how to consume clothes. We're taught how to consume media, propaganda, et cetera. It goes on and on and on, all to escape us from ourselves. And so, yeah, I mean, information is not necessarily a bad thing and it can be become too much when we're using it as another form of escapism, you know, and it can be a little more dangerous because we think, um, dangerous for lack of better words, not that it's like going to kill you or anything like that. I mean, maybe spiritually, but yeah, information is not necessarily bad and it's definitely used as a tool of escapism for a lot of people, including myself. Like I really have to check myself with that as well. Yeah, it is. I went through a period where I was just like deep on all of it. And Alan Watts, who's one of my favorites, says that you can't um, try and fix your life so much that you don't end up living it. And it is one of those things in the self-development space where it's like, man, there's a lot of books saying a lot of things. A lot of them are saying the same thing in different ways. And when you go on Instagram, it's like, there's how many graphics and how many photos and how many captions and all these things with a lot of information that you could spend your lifetime learning. <laughs> you know, that's what I've noticed too. It's like people are sharing the graphics, but people aren't actually like reading or understanding what it is because there's a lifetime of learning oftentimes in like one graphic or like totally. one quote. It's like if the graphic says, you know, look to your past wounds for understanding your trauma. It's like, that's a whole lifetime of work. (laughs) And we're just kind of like consuming and letting it really be in our mind and not feeling it in our body. Um, And I think you're such a good example of that embodiment, like feeling it in, in your body. And how would you say, like for anyone listening that wants to feel more and wants to like experience it more, what would you suggest that they do? Yeah, get off your phone. Honestly, like get off your phone, go be outside, go be with yourself. And like, that's way easier said than done. Or you think actually, you probably think that's like, oh, that's easy. I can do that. And then actually go try. Like literally go sit out in the woods, Mm -hmm. go to the beach by yourself without your phone, without music and tell me how it is because that shit is hard. And that is how I have um, come to create this intimate relationship with myself. It's like literally removing any external stimuli minus like nature and my surroundings and going and listening to my thoughts. And also dance is a huge practice for me. Um, dancing has like completely changed my life and I'm not a trained dancer or anything like that, but just like intuitive movement, allowing myself to like tell stories of whatever it is that I'm experiencing through my body has been one of the most healing things ever. And so that's another really good practice for feeling is, is movement and dance. And I teach yoga as well. And I incorporate some of the somatic movement in my yoga classes. So I would say like literally go, put your phone away, like throw it in the fucking drawer and go outside and be in nature, like sit in the sun and then also start dancing. Like dancing is really, really powerful. Can you talk more about the dancing piece? Like I've experienced that. I haven't made it a... I feel like I do it when I need it instead of a daily yeah. practice, you know what I mean? But I would love to just kind of describe what's happening like somatically in the body when you are intuitively moving like that and especially to music because I felt it, but I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, totally. 
For me, so there's, I mean, a, a nerve called your vagus nerve that um, is the longest nerve in your body. And dancing is a really, really wonderful way to regulate that. And when we're in like repetitive states of trauma or we're when, when we're like too much in our sympathetic nervous system, that like fight or flight, our vagus tone gets out of, um, it gets like out of tune. And so I like to think of our body like instruments. Right. And so that's why I also do a lot of like chanting and singing to kind of tune my instrument back to that frequency of love. And so this is like more of a like spiritual esoteric uh, way I see dancing, I guess, but it really is a way to attune your body to whatever frequency that you're wanting to embody, Mm -hmm. you know, because in like getting notifications all the time and we're not sitting with ourselves, our body is out of tune. And that's why a lot of us feel stressed. That's why a lot of us feel depressed. That's why a lot of us are in these like repetitive states of suffering is because we're out of alignment. We're not in tune. And so dancing, again, with the chanting and singing and spending time outside in nature and really being with yourself is a really wonderful way to kind of harmonize your frequency back to like whatever note it is that you're wishing to embody. Mm-hmm. Makes perfect sense yes. to me, honey. Yeah. <laughs> makes perfect sense to me. It's always like, I would think about that when I like talk to, to friends, like we'll say shit and it's like, yeah, I feel like fruit has the highest vibration. So I just want to eat fruit for the morning. It's like, totally. You know, there's yep. just shit that you say. You're like, yep, totally. That makes Got sense. It. There's no yeah. science behind it, but that feels good for me. And that makes perfect sense. Um, well, and like, you know, like another thing about the information piece is like, we need, everybody thinks that we need proof to like prove oh anything yes. these days. And I'm so tired of that. Like if we had, we had proof 60 years ago that like cigarettes were good for you. Like fuck off. This science, yes, yeah, science is not all bad. And there's a lot of it that's obviously skewed for profit purposes. Mm-hmm. And so like, I don't need proof to prove anything that I'm experiencing. I go based on what I feel. And yes. if it feels good to me, I'm going to trust that. And that's enough for me. Show me the science that dancing is good for you. Yeah. And then like, I'll do it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Show me the science that we're finely tuned instruments. I can't wait for for that headline. Ecstatic dance is proven to something. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that whole thing too is just like exhausting because oh, it's annoying. like we're all just like looking for articles and like looking for all these things that prove whatever point that we have. Yep. And that's so much of the masculine, you know, that Ooh. linear 3D mode and some of our most powerful magic as women, you know, in Law of One, they call it the magical personality, is mm-hmm. really like the intuition, the feeling, the like unexplainableness of life. It's like that creatrix energy. It's that logos. And we really shortcut ourselves, especially as women, when we are like, oh, let me find proof for why this feels good for me or, or whatever. And I find myself doing it. Like sometimes I'll like do one thing healthy and then I'll Google like, why is this healthy? <laughs> like I'll be like, have celery juice one morning. I'm like, why does celery juice help me health wise? And I'll need like my own confirmation of things because we want that information. Yeah, it's it's a whole vibe. So real. You mentioned nature and nature's like literally number one. So mm-hmm. can you talk about your relationship with nature and how that's been healing? Yeah. Um, so my entire life, I've felt like entirely ungrounded, <laughs> like to the point where I don't, sometimes I'm like, I don't think I'm from this planet. Like Definitely I don't know not. what's going on here, mm-hmm. but like I do not feel like I feel like I'm flying in like a way that doesn't feel fun. Mm-hmm. 
So nature is something that like on the very basic level just really, really grounds me. And like I'll go outside and do like I'll do the earthing or whatever where you like walk outside barefoot. And that's something that's really helpful because like we are so programmed in our mind, right? Like everything in our mind, a lot of it is from the media, is from the news, is from the propaganda, is from all the bullshit that has literally been like imprinted into these computers of brains that we have. And so being outside, again, like really gets me out of that habitual programmed mind and into my body. Because that's, again, like where that Shakti, that Logos that you were talking about, that, that intuition lives. And um, I also think of nature as like the womb space, right? And that's where like we as women have a womb and then also we come from the womb and it's like this, this void space that is non-linear and you can like go outside and kind of get stuck in these like time vortexes where you're like, it's only been two hours. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it gets me out of my head and I feel like that's the most important thing for me because again, like being on my phone because I work for my phone and all of things that I was talking about earlier, it kind of shocks you back into your body. And especially if you go alone, like go walk in the woods or go to the ocean, like you're forced to be with yourself and to be intimate with yourself in a way that can be uncomfortable. But then you can also feel like mother earth, like literally holding you like a mother, like you're safe. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to be in your mind all the time. Like a lot of the shit that's in your mind is bullshit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you can just be here with me, you know? Yes. And I also think, like I also wonder... I was taking a walk the other day and I was like, I wonder when we stopped communicating with like things that aren't human beings and computers. You know, it's like, I'm sure we can go back in history and kind of yeah. like peg that, but it's like, you know, the bir- the sounds of the birds, like mm. just kind of like the yeah. different codes and messages from like the water, the sky, the clouds, the, totally. you know, it's like, I think that's what's really interesting for me when I'm out in nature. I'm like, oh, like... There's actually much more information in and to be received in other ways than my phone, than yes. the email, than the headlines, than the this. And it's it's totally. restful. Like I'm like, oh, yeah. this feels good to receive yeah. this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like it's like rejuvenating you, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I see our phones as literally like energy suckers. Yeah. Like they're siphoners. Yeah. Obviously, if we if we use them in the way that a lot of us do, including myself, like it totally siphons my energy. And nature is something that, like, yeah, you can receive way more codes, way more DNA activations, if you want to call them, mm-hmm. by just being outside than you can from like reading an article about like quantum physics. Like yes. go experience quantum physics. You don't have to like research it to prove again, yes. you know? And I know you were living in New York briefly more recently and moved. Like mm-hmm. what was your experience? Because I know a lot of our listeners are in cities. Um, mm-hmm. I'm in Brooklyn, Krista's in LA. And so how, you know, during that time and and times where you've been in cities, how do you kind of like work with that energy? Yeah, um, I don't work well with it. That's why I left. (laughs) Um, When I was living in Manhattan, New York, like the closest park to my house was 20 blocks. Like it was like a 15 minute walk and I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, And some people can, like my mentor... As she lives in Ojai and she always goes to New York because she talks about her nervous system feeling better in the city. And so it like doesn't, 
it's not necessarily like a one size fits all. I just know for me, I'm way too sensitive. I felt like I was getting energetically bombarded constantly when I lived in New York and I just couldn't do it anymore. I felt exhausted. Um, and so the way for me to fix that was literally to move. Yeah. I I have no, like, there's no way really around it for me. I was like, I just can't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I need to go. Yeah. Were you scared? Like, was that like, like when you, cause you're always like, this is the thing. When we listen to our intuition and you're like, you get that hit, it's like, it's cool, but you're like, fuck again. <laughs> you know, you're kind of like, all right, you're yeah. talking again. I got to do this. Do you ever yeah. get, when you're ever listening to those hits, like, is there ever, are you ever like scared to follow them? Oh, fuck yeah. It's a lot because like, it's not just as simple as following your intuition. It's like following your intuition. And then, then what is that going to demand of me? Who do I have to be in order to be this person? You know, what do I have to let go of in order to really follow my intuition? You know, and for me, leaving New York was also leaving a relationship that I, it was this man that I like thought I was going to marry. And it was really, really, really painful. Like one of the most painful breakups that I've ever had in my life. Um, because it wasn't just about me leaving the city. Like there's always like this thing that we think it's about and then like go deeper, (laughs) you know? And that's what it's really about. It was again, that was my abandonment wound that was coming up through me moving. Again, like I said earlier, the universe brings us those experiences in order for us to heal them. And so, yes, it's really scary trusting your intuition because again, we're just like bombarded with all of these things that we're talking about, like you need proof. This is not logical. That's irrational. Like, how are you going to get the money? And I'm just like, I'm the type of person at this point, it feels much more fun, honestly, and inspiring to live a life where I can rely on that radical faith of like, you know what? My soul is telling me to make this choice. I kind of wish it was different. I have no idea why, but I'm going to trust it because my other option is to go be in the matrix. And that has caused me way more suffering than going out on a, on a leap of faith and kind of jumping before the net appears, you know? So that's kind of, I've kind of put it in binaries like that. It's like, okay, I either take these really radical risks and really trust myself or I go work for someone else and I, my soul literally dies. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. what are you going to choose, you know? Yeah. <laughs> on the piece of following your heart and moving to New York for someone and yeah, can you just talk more about that that type of faith too, where like it's not necessarily guaranteed that it's going to work. Mm-hmm. It might be messy. You know, it might be something that you all of a sudden find yourself in. You're like, what the fuck? And yeah. like, <laughs> I guess I want, I, I would love to talk about like the profoundness of trusting that heart speak in the moment, even though you don't have like long-term vision of what it might become. Yeah, well, you know, I mean unconditional love doesn't have expectations. It just acts. And so if I'm living in a space of truly following my heart and truly wanting to like be in that, that love frequency, then I can't have expectations because that's like living from a story. That's not living from my heart. Mm. You know, that's not living from the present moment. And so when I move to New York for this man, I one lied to everybody about it because I had so much shame because I'm like, I'm the type of woman that moves across the country for a man. Like how stupid and naive and horrible. And Mm -hmm. I'm like being honest about it now because I'm like, actually, no, that's a really beautiful thing that you have so much love to give that you're willing to change and uproot and like risk, you know, faith without expectations. Faith is like, Faith is 
trusting in the process of something and trusting that no matter what decisions we make, the universe has our back and we're going to be taken care of. There are no right or wrong decisions. So that's what the faith is in. The faith is not in, I'm making this decision so I can have this specific outcome. It's like, I'm making this decision because this is what feels good to me. This is what feels like I'm honoring myself. This is what feels true to me right now. And if that's the case, then the outcome doesn't matter because that's the lesson is learning to trust your heart, mm. you know, learning to trust in that, that non-linear path, learning in, to trust in God, something that we literally cannot see, but we all, a lot of us feel and know is there, has nothing to do with the outcome or the ending or the expectation at all. I love that. Yeah, I always say like faith is greater than your feelings. You know, faith yeah. is like, and I think that's the thing with, unconditional and conditional love. And I've, I'm only actually really learning what that is. You know, I really didn't know what that was until I got older. And it's like, I, I assumed for a long time that unconditional love was actually like toxic or like mm-hmm. unconditional love was actually equal toxic for me. Cause it was yeah. like, oh, loyalty beyond my boundaries, loyalty beyond my best intentions, like loyalty beyond these things. And now like seeing and experiencing like unconditional love, like with Lindsay and like with my partner and like with a few of our other friends and for the first time is like, it's mind blowing how different it is than conditional love. And like, even with your friends that you've, you've parted ways from, you know, maybe for now, maybe forever, it's like, when you first and experience unconditional love and you know what it is, it's like everything else, it's like so clear when it's not, it's crazy. Totally, totally, absolutely. And, you know, I feel that people who have experienced abuse and trauma like myself um, in relationship, obviously like kind of get confused when it comes to unconditional love because our boundaries were so crossed and we experienced a lot of pain and suffering in relationships, you know? And so... Like, for example, um, I, I experienced a lot of abuse with um, my, uh, some members of my family. And for a while, it was like, I don't have to forgive you in order to heal. Like, fuck you guys, I'm done. And I'm at this place now where it's like, oh, I had to put that boundary up with them. Albeit, like, I did it in a very like, unconscious, like, middle fingers up type of way that was necessary for me. But I had to do that in order to, like, rejuvenate and again, like, harmonize myself back to that unconditional love frequency. Because at the essence of all of us, that's what we are. Like love is not, again, that's so cliche. Like love is not something that you give. It's literally what we are. It's a frequency that you tap into when you like live with non-attachment and when you're living so with your heart so open that you cannot help but just admit that, Mm. you know? And so I had to put up that boundary with my family in order that I could go back into that unconditional love space and love them without expectation. And so I have a relationship with my dad now because I don't expect anything from him. I don't need anything from him. I just love him. And I can give that love without needing or expecting anything in return because I'm not coming from a place of scarcity or lack. I'm coming from a place of I'm so vibrating with this love for myself Mm. and for God and for humanity in general that like, I have no time to waste being mad at people. Like, yes, you abused me and whatever. And it was fucked up. And at the same time, like I'm creating myself more suffering by not forgiving you. 
Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things. And while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. I've experienced moments where I've felt that openness and that just mm-hmm. unconditional love and it's like freaked people out. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, what is that? What is mm-hmm. the condition under which mm-hmm. you are doing this? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I'm curious, like what the experience you've had of others in that dynamic? Yeah. Um, I think my direct experience is that it's like really taken people's guards down Um, because I come from a place where I was like such a labeler where I was like, if you did anything wrong, like to me, you're an abuser and you're a narcissist and you're this and that. And the people that I was kind of labeling that knew that I was like, I was calling them that publicly. And I think it was really hurtful because who am I to tell somebody else who and what they are based on some of their actions? You know, like we've all done dark messed up things. We've all caused harm and we will cause harm because we're humans and we make mistakes. And so for other people like me, again, practicing, because I'm definitely not perfect at it and I do still constrict sometimes. And I think that's just a normal part of of this experience. Like we're going to constrict and then we're going to open and we can't be open constantly, but it's just allowed people to be more authentic 
and to allow people to feel safe in that, mm-hmm. you know, because when we love people with conditions, that's telling them that I, you're only worthy of my love when you act in a certain way, when you are the person that I think you should be. And so I think authenticity is one of the greatest like plant medicines, honestly. And, and when we allow people that and we love them, and sometimes we have to love them from afar and that's okay too. But when we just give people like the opportunity to be who they are and just witness them in that, like that is some of the most like underlooked healing medicine ever. Yeah. I love that. It's like the love without labels too. And it's felt, mm-hmm. it's been interesting in the past couple years because when you're trying to love someone for who they are outside of labels, it's hard in a world that's so focused on labels about who we are and how we show up and what this means about us and what I believe and, you know, what they believe, what they believe and all of that kind of stuff. So it's been hard to like get through all of that to like Mm -hmm. the actual core of, of who we are and, and who people are. So in relationships, you know, with friends and um, people in your life, like how do you, how have you cultivated relationships with your friends where you're both in that space of being like, we're going to love each other without labels. Like we're going to love each other even when we disagree or even if you feel this or you say this or I say this or, or you know, you have that moment. Yeah. Um, I, at the moment, really only have one friend that I really feel that way with. Um, her name is Britt. And it's funny because we were just talking a couple days ago about this. And I was like, it's so strange to me. Like, how come? And it's the same for her with me. Like, we are each other's people at the moment. And we've been friends for like two years. And I was like, why is it so simple with you? And with everybody else, it feels really complex and hard. And I feel entirely misunderstood completely. And she said something really profound. She said, it's because we're not afraid to lose each other. And I was like, damn. Um, Because for me, with my other relationships, it was, again, I needed something from them. I did not feel whole in myself. And so they were like, it was like I had this huge puzzle, right? And they're like the missing puzzle piece. And I need them in order to feel complete. And with Brit. I'm operating from such a place of wholeness that I genuinely just enjoy being around her. I enjoy talking to her. Like we laugh, it's fun, it's light, it's playful. With the other people, it was coming from such a place of scarcity, you know, where if I, it was, it was linked to my survival. If I didn't have them around, I'm gonna fucking die. And so that causes me and that causes a lot of people to just like attach ourselves to people or we don't know who we are without them. And when we can let that go and practice that non attachment that I was talking about, it becomes a lot more enjoyable because. We then then we're kind of gravitated towards what pleases us and what feels good rather than like something that's linked to those old survival patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to talk about this idea that it seems that we're like waiting for something to happen. We're waiting for new earth to arrive. I think you mentioned in a post. <laughs> and I felt that before where I'm like, well, it's almost here. Yeah. You know, I'm like, like I'll just wait. <laughs> we're like December 12th, 2020. Yeah, I guess I'll be here, you know, and really like not, I don't think it's responsibility, but if we're understanding that uh, it's within, you know, um, so much of it is, is, you know, identifying and recognizing the power that we have within. And I would love to just kind of talk about that because I do feel like in times like these where there is a lot of separation and fear and chaos where we we become 
we fawn, like you said, where it's like, oh God, okay, just save me. You know, I, you know, mm-hmm. when is this coming? When is this going to be over? And we forget our own power. Mm-hmm. So I would love to yeah. talk about that. Yeah, I think it. What's coming up for me is that it, like it starts with religion, right? Where like we are so even if you didn't necessarily grow up like in a religious family or in an institution or whatever, like we're so indoctrinated in that to yeah. like see God and see the Savior as something outside of us, you know. And it makes sense because from a nervous system perspective, like things can be so overwhelming where we just want somebody to come and take it all away. Yeah. You know, there's so much oppression and trauma and just like suppression that is happening on the planet. And so like, it's not to shame that we feel that way. It actually like is our body's brilliance being like, this is too overwhelming. This is too much. Like I need support. I need help. And so I think if we can kind of shift it to like, rather, I need someone to save me. I think it's really brave to like be able to admit, like, I just had that last week when I was in New Mexico alone. Like I called my mentor. I was like, I need help. Like I'm really, really, really struggling. And look, I don't need you to save me because I don't even want that because I want to learn more of my own power and be able to embody that and feel confident in myself. And at the same time, I need a mirror right now to reflect back to me that I'm not dying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. that like I'm Mm -hmm. going to be okay. And so, yeah, I think it starts with religion and I think it ends when we can reach out to ask for support and to ask for help and to not demonize that in ourselves. Because I see a lot of people in like the spiritual community, like calling people sheep and like saying that you're weak if you like need, or if you think that somebody's coming to save you, like fucking save yourself. And like that energy is sometimes helpful and it can be quite shaming, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, like I said, the way to remedy that is to like realize that's a really normal thing mm. that you want somebody to come save you sometimes because sometimes things feel really scary and heavy and like we need support in that. And so kind of shifting the narrative um, to, to, I don't need somebody to save me, but I would like somebody to come sit with me mm. <laughs> and like hold my hand while I'm, while I'm wrestling with some really heavy things. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that's where reparenting is so key, you know, cause it's like as the child wanting that. And then as the adult wanting that, it's like, how can you be that for yourself? Like, how can you reparent yourself to like save yourself in a way? Totally. But it's huge because it is so many of us like, and I saw, I see this so much, like so many powerful people giving their power away to gurus, to spiritual teachers, to leaders, to authors, to coaches, to all of these things and expecting them to do be doing like the saving and then sort of they'll follow. And it sort of does a disservice to the power that we have individually within our own lives to create the effect on the world that we want to see. And that happens from our own perspective. It's like, we're really creating this experience that we're in, like the simulation really is for our highest good. So we're creating our experience in that way. And then as the collective, we're creating this collective experience by finding our own power and by finding our own path and by finding our own journey. Have you noticed that like in the spiritual community about like people giving their power away? Oh yeah, because it's way easier to like, if your life is miserable and you don't want to take responsibility for that, like it's way easier to blame somebody else. To be like, oh, this politician has so much control over my life that like I'm going to blame Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. you know, or I'm going to blame freaking like Deepak Chopra or Eckhart (laughs) Tolle or whoever, because they told me to do this and it didn't work. You know, um, I listen to this Alan Watts speech quite often where he says something along the lines of like, we're creating this reality and like, 
that would be, or he was like, that would mean I'm God. If I'm creating all of this, that would mean I'm God. And that would be terribly embarrassing because that's a huge burden of responsibility that like I haven't accepted yet, you know? And so I think that I, I know for me that I have done that in the past because it's so uncomfortable to take responsibility for my life and to realize that everything that is in my life is here because I've put it here. Mm-hmm. Like I am a firm believer that we chose to incarnate in these bodies. We chose our soul's path. We chose our family, our parents, all the lessons we were going to learn. And it's just a lot easier to not believe that because then we don't have, we can just throw our hands up and be like, well, life just happens to me. And this person told me to do this thing and it didn't heal me. So I'm just screwed. You know, it's like this deep sense of kind of helplessness and hopelessness and like this um, deep, like existentialism or something like that, where it's, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable to, really recognize that we are creating all of this. Because again, if you are creating something that you don't like, or you're living a life that feels like it's suffering, then that's on you. You can't blame that on anyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's our like collective wound too. You know, it's just like this blame, this like separation. Um, Yeah, it's, it's... yeah, it's a big one. But, you know, that that starting with yourself is is such a empowering move. I feel like, you know, because we can't change we can't right. we can't change everyone, right? But like right. The, the piece that I've found is is really cultivating that within myself and I feel like a lot of people out there um whether they are public online, whether they have a following or not, you know, it doesn't really matter, but this idea of being themselves fully is like really scary. Being authentic mm-hmm. is is really scary right now. I guess what would you say to people who are feeling that way? Yeah, the best way to get over that fear is to like experience the fear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the best way to get over the fear of being yourself is to be so radically yourself and to like feel that terrifying like ache of, oh my God, this is humiliating. Oh my God, I feel so vulnerable because that's what transmutes it. You know, like you can, there's, there's only, or how do I want to say this? Like you, you feel an emotion, right? And then you push up against it so much so that it like, I see it like explode into something else. Like an emotion Mm -hmm. can only have so much pressure before it changes form. Right. And so like you have two options. You can continue not being yourself you can continue completely like diminishing your gifts. You can continue playing it small, silencing, censoring, et cetera, et cetera, and watch yourself become sick. Like I'm just gonna real. That's I'm just gonna be real. That's 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 what happens. There's a quote. I don't know who it's by, but it says, "When I am not my authentic self, I suffer," and that is true for me. And I know that's just collectively true for a lot of people. Um, And so you can do that. You can continue just creating your own misery or you can experience... And that's long-term. That's going to be this dull ache of suffering likely for the rest of your life. (laughs) Or you can experience that temporary like burn. My friend Britt calls it like walking through the devil's anus. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like. You can experience that temporary fire of like, oh my God, they're going to hate me. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, they think this about me, et cetera, et cetera. And then it goes away. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that like you are safe being yourself and everybody is operating from their own projections and it has nothing to do 
with me. And so you can go through the short-term pain and then experience the bliss on the other side, or you can continue to cycle and to repeat and to make yourself small and cause yourself dis-ease by not being yourself. Yeah, I'm so trying again, to th- binary, two options, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're 3D, baby. We're all binary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like when it's weird because it's like only I've been able to really clearly tell when I'm being myself and when I'm not later in life. And I feel like so many people live their lives and they actually their ego is actually telling them that this is themselves. So it's like, how can people feel like they're being themselves when a lot of our lives, we're so not being ourselves, but we've created this idea that we're being ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a that's a really good um, insight. And you know, I feel I can't I can't speak for everyone because I think sometimes maybe people go on not living themselves and they never they never feel pain, they never suffer from it, and so that just works for them, you know. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was in so much pain, I was so miserable, I felt so numbed out that I was like, if I don't do something, I'm I'm not gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to just. I keep saying die. But like I sound it like feels such like an that. asshole, but it literally yeah, like I felt like that like so touch. much in my life. I'm like, if I don't change something now, I'm literally going to die, and I cannot live this way anymore. And so for me, it was like again. For example, like when I left New York, I didn't realize that I was leaving New York because New York was not actually like who I am. I thought it was just me leaving New York. You know, it's like this, it's like we we make these decisions that are kind of surface level, but it's really our intuition leading us into that deeper expression of being ourselves. And so me leaving New York thought it was just about New York, but come to find out six months later, it's like, oh. My soul was unhappy there. I was in a relationship that was really great and also like was causing me misery at the same time. And so it was like this unraveling from just me making one decision, you know? And so um, I guess it's you can't really answer that because being yourself, quote unquote, like looks different to everybody. But for me, I, I just, I reached this point of where I was like, I'm going to die if I don't make a, mm-hmm. make a decision, if I don't just do something. And me just making that one decision, those one small seemingly decisions creates this process where it's like more shadow comes to the surface and you get to observe more of who you really are mm-hmm. by just kind of creating movement, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. What did you learn about partnership from your recent experience? I think I learned the difference between compromise and like total self abandonment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Alan Watts again has this, this talk where he talks about, excuse me, like the nature of love being self abandonment. And I think that's really beautiful. And if you come from a place of, of trauma, that can again create more of that suffering where it's like, you can abandon yourself and living in a way that's so open and living in a way where you're abandoning all of your attachments and fears and expectations and you're just in that love frequency. Or you can abandon yourself in a way where you're entirely being somebody that you're not. You're moving to a city that you don't even like to be with someone that like you don't even know wants to marry you. You can completely like change the way you dress and just contort into this person's idea of who you should be. You know, and so that was my pattern was just completely, like I said earlier, twisting myself into a pretzel in order to be loved. Because that's what we all want at the end of the day. That's why we all 
self-abandoned is because we had to do that growing up. We think that in order to be loved, we have to be somebody that we're not. And so that was my pattern. And again, I reached that point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like, I don't know who I am and I'm never going to figure that out if I keep like just changing who I am based on who I'm with. Like, I really need to be alone for a little bit and figure out what my values are, like figure out all the basics, where I want to live, like what the fuck is going on before I get into another relationship because I have such a pattern of like um, self-abandoning to the point where it causes me a lot of pain. And so um, I think I learned the difference between the two. It's like we talked about staying in that unconditional love frequency with the boundaries that actually preserve the connection or like staying in that quote unquote unconditional love that's like actually codependency under like this like spiritually bypassing type of language. Mm -hmm. What would be an example of like, just for the listeners, like when you did abandon yourself where you were your not self that you look at now and you're like, wow. Yeah. Um, oh God. For me, it's always to do with my looks. Cause I am I know that I'm like an attractive person and um that has that's like really great and like it has, there's a lot of privileges, if you will, that come with that. And at the same time, that has a huge shadow side. Mm. And so for me, it was like, for example, this guy, this is like so surface this. level and basic, but this guy that I was with like really loved ass. And so I was like, I'm going to make sure that this is great constantly. Like, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to lift. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I was running myself to the bone literally just to make sure that my ass looks good. And I don't even like lifting weights that much. So like, that's like kind of a very like weird example. Mm -hmm, but it's mm -hmm. like, just again, contorting yourself and like making yourself be this person that you're not and like acting like that I loved working out and acting like I didn't care that he kind of objectified women's asses, you know, mm -hmm. because I had to be that in order to be loved by him because being loved by him was so linked to me, to my survival again. Mm -hmm. And so that was an example for me or like, I remember when I first cut my hair because when I met him, like I had really long hair and I cut it. And then like, he kind of made a weird comment about it and I don't think he liked it that much. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll grow my hair back out. Mm. So like, even though mm. I really liked my short hair. So like stuff like that, rather than being like, okay, I'm going to be me and you can fuck off. Like if you don't like that, mm -hmm. then like we're just not meant to be together. So I like for me, hair. it's usually... All, thank you. I really like my hair too. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's usually linked to my physical appearance. Wow. For so many women too. Yeah. yeah. You, know. it's, you don't even know. Mm -hmm. It's weird because yeah. it's like you see him looking at someone a little too long. And you're like, oh, what has she got going on? You yeah. know, like what does she, they have that I don't have or that I do have or... Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's such a good one. Yeah. Well, and you know, too, like really quick that... Because a lot of people think that we have wounds from men, which yes, we like women obviously do. And if we all healed our sister wounds, like mm -hmm. I wouldn't see my, my ex guy that I was with looking at another woman and feel competition mm -hmm. with her. Like we would be in solidarity with one another where I would yeah. be like, fuck you. Like, why are you looking at her rather than being threatened by her? Mm -hmm. You know? So oftentimes like these wounds that we have with men, yes, have to do with that. And on another, like another layer of it is really healing our relationship, like in sisterhood with other women. That's huge. Yeah. yeah. I used to be like that, like years ago with my partner, if he would look at another girl, I would just be like, lose it. Yeah. And the charge created more of the energy for him to look. It was almost like, the fear and charge around my fear of that would create more of like the energy to look. 
And when you totally just like disengage with or don't participate in or just like allow whatever it is to happen, it's like so much more freeing. And then there's less of that, like, this is bad. I shouldn't be doing this feeling for him too. Yep. Because you're both like, oh yeah, whatever's good, it's good. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Those charges are so real. And mm-hmm. again, like those are oftentimes old wounds that like are coming up to the surface mm-hmm. so we can heal them, you For know? Sure. Yes. Last question from me, just on that sisterhood wounding. Um, we talked about the mother wound on the show. And I do think it's like very, very related. I guess, have you have you like dug into that and have you kind of found some of the origins of that? And what does that work look like for you? Yeah, so I grew up with a with parents who my mom had that that wound where she always saw women as threats and as competition. Um, a lot to do with because my dad was like cheated on my mom a lot with much younger women, and so I definitely grew up with the like complex that other women were threats and were my competition, mm. and like I needed to be better than them, and I needed to be on top, et cetera, et cetera. And a way that I have, and I'm definitely still healing it, but a way that I have healed it is by being very, very, very uncomfortably vulnerable with the women in my life. Mm. Like, for example, with my mentor, like I told, I was on the phone with her last night and I was like, okay, I need to tell you something because I think that you're really going to judge me about it and I need to just voice this out loud. And it was like about having, it was like having to do with me wanting to get a dog or something like that, which is so (laughs) random. But like, I told her that because I felt it when I was talking to her. I was like, I want to tell her that I'm going to get it, that I'm going to get a dog, but I'm afraid she's going to judge me. And so it was like me witnessing that weird, like, Mm -hmm. thought that I was having that this woman was going to judge me because I was actually judging myself and me voicing that to her and her being able to witness those judgments with me and like witness that projection that I was having and being like, oh, thank you for telling me that. Like, I'm not judging you at all was really healing for me. And also like, there was a time when I told her like, I feel really intimidated by you. I feel really threatened by you. And I know that it just has to, has to do with me, like me seeing something in you that I haven't embodied in myself yet. But again, being able to voice that to her and be so radically authentic with other women that it's like really uncomfortable and awkward and cringy um, is really healing. Because again, it goes back to like the conversation we were having about the authenticity being like the, the greatest plant medicine, I believe. So yeah, just being like really fucking vulnerable to the mm-hmm. point where it makes me like want to vomit sometimes yes. <laughs> with, with the women in my life. I love so that. Yeah, that's huge. It's so disarming yeah. too. And I think it is one of those things. And I think you do this so well. It's like going first. You know, it's like going first by being vulnerable, going first by being authentic, going first by like being your own leader, going first by all of these things. And I think you do it so beautifully. And this has been so much fun. I'm so glad we could have you. It was like everything I wanted and more. Mm -hmm. We're such fans of you and your work. And (laughs) I'm excited to see where you land. Like it's going to be a good one. I really can't (laughs) wait. And just thanks for everything that you do. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you. you both. Thank you both so much. It was, yeah, this was awesome. And it was great talking to both of you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Emma. You can find Emma Zek on Instagram at Emma Zek underscore. And you guys, we're going to love her. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And as always, thank you to our sponsors. So if you are new to Almost 30, we work with 
brands and products that we just really love and use ourselves. So we consider ourselves, you know, professional vetters of products that are almost already approved. This episode is sponsored by House of Wise, Hum Nutrition, Nutribullet, ZocDoc, and Joybird. So you can find all of our discount information in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Just scroll down and click on partners. Thank you for listening. We love you all and we'll see you on the next one. We'll see you soon. 